We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. Sees a hole burst to it. 20. Right steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still to see. 46 yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host, my partner in crime, former Watson's Rams defensive back. I said it too fast. Way too fast. Former Los Angeles Rams defensive back, Michael Stewart. You would think, Mike, I'm too ex- I'm too excited with the Rams win or something like that. Yeah, yeah. In, in reality, I've had way too much pumpkin pie. I'm all sugared up. <laughs> I'm just sugared up. Can't help it. But we're not here to talk about a Rams win. We're here to talk about your Rams loss, 26-10 in Kansas City. I have I don't know what to say because we've been there and done that this season. Yeah. Let's just say when half your roster's up, but we're going to try anyways. We're going to try anyways. So, Mike, your first thoughts on the 26-10 loss. Well, I, I saw a lot more effort today. So that that was exciting to just see guys actually seeming like they're putting more effort into it. And so uh, saw a lot of new faces. So obviously it was going to be challenges going to KC anyway. Uh, but positive. Uh, saw a lot more effort. How about you? I did too. And I didn't expect to. I, your words from last podcast kind of stuck with me when you, you kind of posed that maybe these guys don't want to play for Sean McVay anymore. 
And then like a day later, we we see Daryl Henderson requests his release and is granted it. Justin Hollins is released. And, and this is where it all goes from there, right? This is where it all winds up picking up. And you're thinking, okay, they're going to Kansas City. They're going to get annihilated out there. Right. And they did lose. I mean, and they – I can say I was happy with the improved effort. There comes a point when you're simply outmanned, when you've got half your team on the IR. Sometimes you're just outmanned, and I get that. So the fact that that defense played hard, I mean, they, they gave up a lot of yards. That's what Kansas City does. You're not going to hold Kansas City. But they held under 30. They, they had Mahomes on the run a lot. They held their top rusher to 3.1 yards per carry. There were a lot of good things to like about that defense today. And well, and even there were even some some bright spots from Bryce Perkins. So, you know, it, it's a loss. The three and eight. We're gonna we're about to see the first Rams losing season since 2016. But it wasn't you didn't go home thinking, I'm embarrassed by this loss. You're not leaving thinking, oh my gosh, this is pathetic. You're thinking they were outmanned. Man, that, that's how I'm seeing it. That's how I'm seeing it. Yeah, there's there's no doubt there there was some some definite bright spots. Uh, again, got to see some new faces, if you will, uh, see some other guys come back, uh, play again with a lot more effort. And to be truthful, they had their chances. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think right there before. The half in the second quarter, you know, if we are able to get seven instead of a field goal, you know, who knows, you know, but they go into the half, uh, what was it, 10-3 or 13-3? But again, they had a couple shots there in the first half to to get it into that uh, end zone, and they just didn't do it. And then once you are starting to play from behind, that's what a good team does. It'll eventually force you into making more mistakes than you can afford when you're playing a good team. Yeah, and, and overall, you you look at the line, and we're going to talk about the numbers in a minute, and you're thinking, well, okay, that was ugly. I saw a lot of players getting involved. I saw a lot of a lot of guys moving around. I saw, I saw effort. I don't think there were any drops today. I don't see any drops by the Rams today. So, you know, that's 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 a helper. And also, by the way, you know who his leading receiver was today for both targets and receptions? Who's that? You're, you're looking it up, aren't you? Don't look it up, cheater. Van <laughs> Jefferson. Van Jefferson. Yeah, I saw him. He was catching a lot of rocks, and, and then it kind of became – almost a Cooper Cup effect. Hey, man, you got to mix it around. Don't just look for that guy. Then they start just kind of getting underneath and over the top. So uh, it was good to see him back out there kind of running, though. So if you had three catches, 29, but seven targets overall. Let's get into all the numbers here in a moment. Before we do, we'll take a little break here to hear from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com All right. So, here's the numbers. Rams lose 26-10. It is, there is a lot that looks ugly on the surface, but is not as bad as it sounds, okay? And I'll be honest about that. I mean, there were a couple really nice things here. 13 first downs for the Rams. That's it. 29 first downs for the, for the Chiefs. 5 of 13 on third down for the Rams. 5 of 11 for the Chiefs. The Rams were 3 for 3 on fourth down. That's kind of nice. They had only 198 total yards compared to 437 for, for the Chiefs. Chiefs had 72 plays compared to 55 plays. Their average per play for the Chiefs, 6.1 for the Rams, 3.6. The Rams did run for 116 yards today. 28 rushes for a 4.1 yards average, and uh, the the Chiefs had 117 yards for 30 on 30 rushes. You net yards passing. This is after all the sacks. 320 for the Chiefs, no sacks. A2 for the Rams. They were sacked three times. That's that one hurts. Yards lost to sacks, 24 yards, two interceptions thrown. One was a tip. I wouldn't really say it was all that much. Falls as a great play made by uh, by Carlos Dunlap of the Chiefs. Four, point, four punts today for 45 yards, one for 49 for the Chiefs. Five penalties on Rams, didn't really hurt them too much, 25 yards, and three for the Chiefs. So the officials let them play. One fumble that was lost for the Chiefs as well. So there you go. Uh, individual stats, we'll, I want to just go ahead and put that out there. Bryce Perkins had, just to note, this is a little bit different. I, I did like, this is something I like about his game. He had nine carries for 44 yards. Was the Rams leading rusher? Bryce Perkins also had it 13-23 for 100 yards passing. One touchdown, two interceptions. So there you go. There you go. Pat Mahomes was Pat Mahomes today. 
And uh, there were a couple of things about the defense I want to ask you about. I think because maybe you have a different view than how the commentary took it. But you know, in the broadcast, they noted, especially in the second quarter, how Pat Mahomes had free reign to the right hand side. If, he, if he's flushed to his right, there's nobody there to get that. Now, in defensive terms, we would call that what the defense should be doing is holding the edge. Was there a problem there defensively, or was it just how the scheme should work? Because, again, that's usually called holding the edge. A defensive player should be holding the edge to stop that. What did you see? Well, I, I have to imagine that they talk about it all week and during meetings because if you ever look at any Kansas City games, yes, Pat Mahomes will kind of run all over the place, but for the most part, he's going to try to skate to his right. Because, again, that's his throwing side, and just naturally being right-handed, he seems to go that way more than to the left. So you would think that they would have that going into the game, that who's ever holding that left side would make sure that he's having to stop not being able to just continue to float, escape, and then, you know, end up, you know, making a play. Uh, overall, but you also saw, you know, Pat Mahomes, he'll throw the ball to you at times as well. And so that's again was, was positive. The Rams were putting some pressure on him and getting him to, you know, and maybe he was just taking extra chances. He may not have thinking that, you know, even though it wasn't technically in the bag when they were up by 10 or 13 late, uh, he probably thought, well, you know, our defense is kind of shutting them out. So I, I, I may throw a ball when I shouldn't have to. But absolutely, there should have been something going on uh, to, to make him pull up, as we say, and, and get rid of the ball or force him at least to the opposite side so that he's not naturally through his throwing side. So. Yeah, that's one thing I saw that was kind of a flaw defense. And some of those things have me wondering about how things are going to be. Um, with their defensive coordinator here, whose face is, is Raheem Morris. There we go. Like for, I don't know why. I just blanked on his name. Raheem Morris. Who, there have been several complaints about him playing soft too much, not playing enough on receivers, leaving too much space underneath. Uh, today... Players, you know, not being available on the, on the edge, but yet they only get 26 to the Chiefs. It's not, that's a lot. But what the Chiefs are capable of with the Rams having really no offense to work with, um, that means the Chiefs' offense is going to be on the field a lot. So the Rams' defense was a very much a bend, don't break. I mean, in the end, was it two touchdowns? That was it out of what, five? Five right. more opportunities? So. Overall, when you're looking at this, with the Rams looking at in the future here with this defense, with Raheem Morris, with some of the flaws that we've talked about throughout the year, and now, then what do you see as the Rams' future right now with Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator, and the personnel that are there? It's going to be interesting uh, going down the stretch because now you're talking about uh, a team that only has three wins. Again, unfortunately, I was on a team that ended up three and thirteen. So now you got to figure out again what I saw tonight. A lot more effort defensively. If you can get that match offensively without the turnovers and the costly, you know, it's not 
too bad if you're turning it over in their end, but when you're turning it over in your own end, you make it a short field. So what we, we got to see going forward is, you know, the three phases, offensively, defensively, and the special teams playing somewhat at the same level so that even if you're losing, you figure you're going to lose by a field goal at the end or maybe you get a chance to drive down. Uh, but today when they had a chance to, to drive down and close the gap again, bring it within like three, uh, get a turnover, then they end up letting them uh, score. And then at the end, it looks like it's a, a wider margin of error and loss than what it really was. If they could have got a couple uh, first downs offensively, you know, they could have maybe even made a chance to, to maybe pull this one out. But again, that's neither here nor there. But going forward, there's going to continue to be questions about uh, Coach Morris and what he's doing overall. Uh, but again, you know, I, it, I just feel like everyone's going to get a mulligan this year, uh, given the injuries, just given, you know, Super Bowl hangover, whatever those things are, uh, the discord that seems to, you know, I don't know that, I mean, you could tell me, Derek, I don't know that I've seen a number of guys on the same team say, hey, man, I'm out of here. Let me go. You know, I, I mean, let's just say it this way. I look at the running backs today. Kyron Williams has been on, on the shelf almost all year. All of a sudden has the most carries over Cam Akers. Cam Akers ran better than Kyron Williams did today. Where was Cam Akers in the second half, by the way? Like, it's some of these it's some of these decisions that get made that make you wonder, you know, make you not wonder, but understand why some of these players are like, I don't want to be here. Because they're not being used. Dude, Daryl Henderson wanted to go. Why? Because he wasn't being used. And that's the bottom line, isn't it? He wasn't being used. Well, I think Daryl Henderson had a, a, a tremendous case. I mean, he was by far running the hardest and the best. And then you start splitting time with a guy who says, man, I'm out of here, misses two weeks. And then when he comes back, he's getting some of your reps. I'm sure that didn't set too well with him. But my thing is, if you have the first guy, Cam, talking about, hey, man, I'm out of here. I'm going to go sit down. Well, we'll try to get a trade. Daryl Henderson is toting the bell pretty good. But you remember then they brought uh, a rookie in for us for some snacks. Uh, one of my good buddies, Little Rivers from Fresno State. Uh, and he got some reps. And, you know, so all those things go into – I think Daryl says, I don't know how much more I have to prove here. And I always go back to when you start seeing things like that, to me, there must be something in the incentives or the bonuses that are available on playtime, yardage or something, because I think we all would agree Daryl Henderson deserved to be the number one back. I don't know. What's your thoughts? I don't know that he deserved the number one back. I think he did deserve more play. Part of the problem with him is he's hurt all the time. He, sure. would, he would he would perform well, He would, especially on the backfield. And this is where the Rams never used him well. And when you go back even to his college scouting, what was the, what was the thing about Daryl Henderson? The guy was great in the open field, out of the backfield, 
Hello screens, right? They never really utilized him to his skill set, and they wondered why he never became the featured guy. Then he got hurt. So I didn't, when he was playing, he gave everything. Like he totally deserved to to be out there. But then he get hurt, and then you, and then you start over again. And this is, I think, why they, they went on drafting K makers to begin with because they saw he wasn't getting healthy. But this is the real problem: these running backs want the football, right? They want the football, and if you're not going to utilize an offense built around putting the football in their hands, then no one's going to be happy. But I don't, I don't know that it's their necessarily their fault, and I don't even know that it's necessarily Sean McVay's fault. Now, heaven forbid, I, I actually defend Sean McVay a little bit here, by the way, because I I think he does get television a lot. I think he does oftentimes make the mistake of focusing solely in one era. Like you, you mentioned earlier, Van Jefferson get, getting the whole Cooper Cup treatment. But when you've had no offensive line the entire year, and even when they are there, they're not blocking for you, because this is the problem they had last year too. They, there was no running game last year. They couldn't run block for anything. Then how are you supposed to have a feature back establish themselves. It was never going to happen behind that offensive line, even when they were healthy. Now they're now we're three, four, five guys in. So how on earth was that supposed to happen, Mike? That's that's the real thing. I, and that is not a Sean McVay fault. That's a less need fault with his roster construction. Focus on four or five guys. The Rams taking their medicine and have to, to short change something. But they've been shortchanging the offensive line now for years. And this is your end result. Right. And, and you know, I think that uh, one of the issues are with the free agency aspect and trying to manipulate the salary cap structure is having, you know, because we got a few guys that got away in a sense uh, that would be a little bit better than what we have. In the sense of what we're seeing now, you know, I don't know if they thought Witt was going to play another year, maybe, where they could maybe buy some more time because you have a guy like him who can solidify that line, uh, even though he's only playing one position. But to your point, when you have so many injuries, there is no consistency and again, we've seen it time and time again. It just seemed like guys are just running scot-free when you have, especially when you have more guys on your side to block than the guys that are rushing. And if a guy's still coming free, those are just blown assignments. So you put all those things together, it does make a, a ingredients and for a disaster, if you will, and a cake that is not going to be too tasty. Did you actually just make a cake <laughs> reference? Is this, well, I think it's because of the holidays. <laughs> like, this is where you went was, okay. All right, so. <laughs> of all the places he went, that's where he went. Okay, okay, well, all right. So, move. I, you know what, I'm still cough guard by that. I'm not sure to do with that at all. I'm not sure to do with that. I don't know too. So th that's the thing you mentioned the, the 
the players want now. You know, I also think you are the defending Super Bowl champions. You're not going to make the playoffs at this point. You have one of the worst point differentials in the league. Is This is right now in NFL history. That's where they are. Worst record and point differential in history for a Super Bowl winner. That doesn't feel good at all. You're a team that expected more. The whole the whole idea was run it back. And it's all falling apart. It's all falling apart. And I, and I was really interested. I found it very interesting during the broadcast today how they mentioned Sean McVay saying that this has been the most humbling experience of his life. Well, good. I'm glad you see it that way. Because if you didn't see it that way, I'd be more worried than I am. <laughs> also, it also makes me think, okay, you know what? A guy with that kind of because we've been talking about this, right? I've been really thinking he's gone, he's gone, he's gone, and so was Aaron Aaron Donald, right? And now I'm not so sure about that because you do you really want your head coaching career to end that way? Don't you? I mean, do you really want to end that way? And, and yeah, I don't. I don't think you do. I don't think you do. But I, I just think with so much money at stake. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe you decide you're going to shut it down for a couple years and, and, you know, do a John Gruden and go, hey, you know what? I think I miss it. Let me go back and coach. Yeah, but when John Gruden left, he didn't he didn't leave the way Sean McVay would be leaving. True. I mean, true. I mean John, John Madden left the winner. Like, the guy was winning his entire career. Right. And I don't know. I, I, I kind of tend to think that McVay – May stick this out. I also think that some heads are going to roll, coaching-wise. I, I don't think his staff stays the same. I think you're going to see some changes. I really do. You know, I think you have to look at that offensive line and its lack of development in the last two years because this is not a one-year thing. When you talk about some of these draft picks, how well have these draft picks developed I don't see it. Do you? No, no, I don't. I don't think they've come along as fast as anticipated. Absolutely. Okay, so there's that. Then you, I, I look back at Raheem Morris, and although I think they they gave a game effort against Kansas City today overall, the defense this year has looked lost at times. I think you know Raheem Morris is a good guy. Everybody seems to like him, but you know, I, I really tend to think that. I don't, I'm not so sure he's a fit there with what they try and do. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. But you got to remember when you lose two quality assistant coaches, uh, one now is a DC for the Broncos, and the other one is he with the Cowboys? Uh, but you had two really good assistants. Some thought, uh, one has a, a interesting name, kind of African name. Uh, they were the safety and 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 corners coaches. Well, that was Aubrey Pleasant. Yeah, and, Aubrey and Pleasant. He, he went to the Lions, and now he's been fired by the Lions. By the way. Oh wow! I didn't see that. Yeah. So, and I just okay. That's a possibility right there, right? That, but I mean, I just think we're going to see some changes in those positions. I think we're going to see some changes. I I mean, I think you'd be crazy to keep the same offensive line coach 
going into the offseason. They haven't developed. You you need changes. It's it's a vacuum. I think you've mentioned numerous times. Look at all these guys who are, who are elsewhere that have been there. Kevin O'Connell right now for the Vikings. First place team in the NFC North. That was McVay's offensive coordinator last year. All these guys are leaving being successful somewhere else. By the way, the Lions, given the Bills all kinds of problems, the Lions are being built by members of what, of what were the Rams front office. Like, this is a knowledge vacuum out. And it was going to happen sooner or later where the Rams pay the price for it. It doesn't mean, given the McVay coaching tree, you can't rebuild that. But sooner or later, they were going to pay the price for this. We've been talking about this over and over and over again. It's probably a boring theme at this point, how many times we say taking your medicine. But, like, it happens. Like, all these different Super Bowl franchises, look at the Patriots. They've lost coaches over and over and over again. May even come back off their tree. And none, by the way, I just want to point this out in case anybody thinks we're picking on Sean McVay. None of the, the Patriots coaching calls, coaching hires out, have been successful as the Rams coaching hires have been out. You notice that? Right, right. <clears throat> the other uh, person I'm thinking of is uh, Ejiro Evero. See, I remember. Let's see, I don't remember. But that's what I'm pointing out. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm frustrated watching this, dude. I, I am. But there were some bright spots today. Let's, let's go back to bright spots. Can you give me two bright spots that you saw today? Well, a bright spot seemed like uh, Bryce Perkins, for one, as he got going, was able to move around a little bit and make some plays, you know, with his legs. You know, I'd like to see him, you know, as he gets more reps. Uh, you just see that he's going to play better. What I did, though, see is, you know, sometimes when you get in there, you forget you're actually playing in the NFL in the sense of you got to get that ball out on time or else. And I saw late when he kind of double clutch and then he still tried to fit it in there to Van. They turn in an interception. He he knows he shouldn't have threw it, but he was like, man, I'm I'm going to get it in here anyway. So that was a bright spot. Uh, one of the bigger things was, again, you seeing guys fly around. you seeing Skronik, you know, kind of blow the guy up on that punt cover. And then you had three or four other guys that are right there. So that tells you guys are playing hard. Defensively, you know, when you shut the team down a few times inside the red zone, a turnover, a stop. You know, I seen Jalen Ramsey make a play that, made, that play he made on – breaking up that play late that was going to the Kelsey, he came at literally almost 15 yards off of his guy, and he saw Kelsey almost breaking free, and he just took off running, and Pat Mahomes threw it, and he made a play on it. Mm -hmm. So that's what you expect from a veteran guy like him is to make not just sometimes your plays. You're going to go make a play that you're nowhere. He wasn't, he wasn't supposed to be anywhere around that. So that was good. Uh, and ultimately, you know, the running game got going a little bit as, to me as well. They kind of had to go away from it once they got behind. But they absolutely ran the ball a lot better than they have in a number of weeks. Uh, yeah, I thought they did. I think 
also the, the dynamic that Bryce Perkins adds, especially to the running game, where he can potentially be a person who is just causing defenses to think twice. Matthew Stafford is not immobile in the back. Okay, he is mobile, but he's not as nearly as mobile as Bryce Perkins is. And this is why we've seen more mobile quarterbacks come onto the scene in the last yeah. few years. Because, yeah. you know, if you have a mobile quarterback, that helps your offensive line out a lot. It really does. And we saw a lot of that today. And I would I would venture to think that as they head into the game against Seattle next week, we're going to see a team that is very much moving towards ensuring that they have a changed playbook that's geared more to his skill set if he plays. Now, if Stafford plays, we'll see. But I would look for more rollouts next week. I would look for more more um, quarterback draws. I would look for more planned planned plays that would move more into that skill set and open up the rest of the offense. And to be honest, it's probably the best avenue right now because you're down your top, what, two receivers. Your running backs have issues. Your tight end is hurt. Like, everybody's hurt. Yeah. Off. So if you have a mobile quarterback who can do something, I mean, that that's a big deal. That's a huge yeah. help. So, huge help. All right, so any closing thoughts here? No, it's just going to be interesting because, again, this is a time when it can really unravel or it can stabilize. And to your point, you have to get some better consistency up front. Uh, the D-line, at least Aaron Donald, that dude is still coming after people. I, I just – the dude gets held every play. They never call it. But dude is still getting after it and – you know, it's going to be interesting again down the stretch to see how these guys respond. Are they going to go tank job? Uh, from what I see, saw today, I don't see that happening. But you just never know once you get back and, you know, you're definitely out of the playoffs and all those things start to happen. That's when you really can tell uh, how hard guys are going to play, you know, for the pride name on their back, the jersey name on their back. Uh, and just proud about their own play once you go out there on the field. How about you, DC? What you got for us? I think that I think that at this point it can't get any worse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess the defense could say screw it and not play it all the rest of the year. But I mean, if you look at the entire rest of the year, what are you looking at? You're looking at at this point, you know you're not making the playoffs you know that you don't even have a first-round pick. So, you, I mean, is it really worth it to tank? No. But you have several young players you can now develop. Guys who you can give a lot of playing time to and see what they have. This isn't a total loss. This is You're going to have a, a last-place schedule next year, unless the, the Cardinals keep their, their free fall. You're going to have a, a conference that is behind the AFC overall. And we've seen teams like the Giants and the Jets flip their flip their fortunes in one year. I mean, Minnesota this year, flipping their fortune. 
The Eagles were eh. They're okay last year. Now look at them. So you can flip a lot of things around in a hurry. So I don't see that as, hey, you need to just blow it all up. You're going to have to blow it up at some point. Do you have to blow it up now? I don't think so. As long as you know where your players are. Like if I'm if I'm less steed right now, I'm asking that question of Sean McVay. Listen, man, I gotta start rethinking how things are gonna be for next year. You know, are you here? Now they just re-signed him, so and I, I don't think you know, I just am certain to shift my thinking here and maybe think he will be around next year. Same for Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald was set to retire. Right. Or now. I don't think he wants to go out this way either. So no, I, don't, I mean, I think there's a lot to look forward to for next year, provided two things happen. Nobody else gets hurt. That's that matters. Okay. Um, and two, you get these guys developing. I think that's why they played Kyron Williams more. I think that's why they they're playing some of these guys more, even though it kind of like doesn't send the right message in my view. You, you kind of have to know where these guys are. So go do it. And that's all. You know, and and I guess I would add this. When I'm looking at the schedule, you got Seattle at home. They They could beat Seattle. Obviously, they got Vegas. They could beat them. At Green Bay, we said at the beginning of the year, freezing. It looked like it's going to be super freezing now. Maybe not. But maybe so. Aaron Rodgers, broken thumb. Uh, maybe so. Denver, they're a mess. Chargers, inconsistent. And then Seattle again up there. They'll probably maybe have something that they'll be playing for. So maybe they're playing a little bit harder. But out of these six games, you know, four, four or six, what you think? I don't. I'm not even going to go there right now, man. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you. You got nobody on your offensive line. Where you got? I think you have one starter in the year. You got your third receiver. Your 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 top tight end is out. Your quarterback is out. One of your key running backs requested release. I mean, everybody's in the injury reserve. I mean, you're being the optimist. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here. No, no. Hit me in this corner of I'm being realistic. If they win another game this year, good on them. And it, yeah. their chances increase if Stafford's playing. But even so, he's just going to wind up getting hurt again because they can't protect him. Well, they're trying to say, hey, there's no way they're shutting him down for the year. But they're going to go look at this schedule and they're going to say, what's the point? You know what I'm saying? And then I'm sure if, as you're saying, now let's put on the GM hat of less Sneed. I got to make a decision on, are we going with Walford in the future or are we going to go with a Bryce Young in the future I mean, Bryce as Perkins. a backup? I mean, Perkins, I mean. Uh, so you, you got to kind of evaluate him maybe now down the stretch for, you know, pick out a couple games and whatever you come up with. But, yeah, you got to be real careful of, saying, yeah, you're going to put your quote-unquote franchise quarterback back in behind a line. He's already suffered two concussions and a neck injury or whatever. I mean, yeah, what's the point? So There is no point. Yeah. We'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm with you on that now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, what's, what's the point? And preserve this guy for next year. Get him healthy. He's had elbow issues. 
you know, right. has second concussion, neck issues. You know what? Shut him down. Shut hey, him man. down. Yeah. You see what you got in Bryce Perkins. There was a lot to like about him, even with the, the eh numbers. There was a right. lot of things to like about him. And you do need to know who's going to be your backup next year. Yeah. And I think he has a lot to offer. Well, it looks like, you know, one of the things, and I think they play hard for Walford as well, is how are guys playing? And it looked like guys were playing, you know, hard for them. Uh, you know, you always look at linemen going to pick you, pick you up, you know, making sure, you know, you get off the ground really quick. So you saw some of those things. Again, you get one of your, your friends, I don't know, <clears throat> excuse me, how Daryl Henderson was. He seemed like, you know, he was good with the rest of the guys, but you know, here it is. It's a, it's a teammate that's no longer there. So I don't know if, you know, well, I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more here in the next days or so uh, on how that affected everybody and morale and things like that. But at least from what I saw today, I saw a lot of effort. And again, if you lose a KC was going to probably beat you anyway, we said at the beginning of the year, just going in there at this time of year. But the effort I saw today was uh, was, was real positive for me. It was better. It was definitely better. And yep. if the team comes around that, then you have a lot to look forward to for next year. You know, But I, there definitely, I think there will be changes. I think there definitely will be changes. All right, folks, it's time for us to go. Follow me on Twitter at DC Paul. Follow, follow Mike at 1do23. And follow Rams Talk at Talk Rams. We'll be out here in a moment. Right. Don't forget. Seahawks next week. Take care. We're out of here.